Welcome back to the Echoing Christ podcast. Today we are going to be talking about unbelieving family members. We're going to see some examples from Scripture about how godly men and women had people who didn't know the Lord in their family and how they navigated that. So pray that we'll get some wisdom from the Bible and also just learn from each other today. So listen in. What up, what up, podcast world? It is your host, Alex. We are back in the podcast studio. I've got Kinzer to my right and Riley to my left. And across the table from me, I have a very special guest, near and dear to me, would be my wonderful fiance, Miss Kelsey. How are you? Good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And today, Kelsey's going to teach you all about how to be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have time for that today. <laughs> oh, it only took you, it only took you what, three and a half years? Yeah, right. it's still some. No, but on a more serious note, today we're going to kind of talk about um, just dealing with like family members who aren't believers and just some of the struggles you go through with it. I mean, we all face challenges of it. Um, I can't really speak on Riley or Kinzer's behalf, but I know myself and Kelsey, it's something that we've dealt with personally more than on more than one occasion. I mean, I won't name names, um, but like someone in my household, like when the idea was mentioned of coming to church and we had that revival, Mm -hmm. they said, and this was still like two months before it even happened. And they said, no, they were going to have to work that day. You did. They didn't know they were going to have to work that day. They just didn't want to come. And there's been like times when we'll be at family get-togethers, and we'll go to like pray, and she's visibly oh, that sucks. <laughs> They're visibly frustrated about it, and it's it can be demoralizing as a Christian. I mean, to see someone reject something that that you believe, and I'll let Kelsey speak a little bit about some of the struggles and things that she's like dealt with that I've even witnessed firsthand in her life. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a little demoralizing or discouraging sometimes but I have a few people in my family um close family that have rejected it several times I mean I have expressed to one that I would pray for them and have been mocked for that and one that jokes about going to hell which is very common in our society and it's not as funny as people think it is but it's also hard to be faced with that and hear somebody say that and blatantly tell them hey that's not that funny this is how that would be but I have been blessed with God giving me opportunities to share with them as well and they've been asking questions which is very cool to see that that there's still hope and maybe the more they're exposed you know God will grow that seed and so for yeah for you listeners today we've got we've outlined quite a few stories from the Bible and just going to give you some just examples of how they've dealt with um like non-believing family members and hopefully it gives you some hope and a little bit of encouragement that if you see their story and how they went through it and how they came out better on the other side for it that you guys can do the same too so yeah and i mean personally in the Havel side of of my family i have basically almost everyone is is a christian Mm -hmm. um i might have some extended family that would maybe claim to be christian but probably not actually practicing. Uh, my mom actually produced uh, a little booklet of all of my family members' testimony. I think she called it The Roots Run Deep. So That's like awesome. we have it's it's really awesome. So like some 
some families are like very founded in the faith and that is a glorious thing and you see some families in scripture like that that are just solid and growing and producing so much fruit um but then other families are very different there there's idol worship going on in the same household where people are worshiping the true god of israel and there's lots of uh, war disagreements bloodshed uh family members killing other family members um but in charity's side of the family my wife um there's a little bit more unbelief um and they're kind of what kelsey had had echoed some mocking that goes on some family strife that happens um but as both of them echoed there's absolute love and hope that god will save no one is beyond the grace of god grace is always in season like it always is so that's that's one foundational principle that we'll see in these passages a lot of my family uh are confused about god Hmm. They they have a basic understanding of like what the world would call Christianity, mm-hmm. and they don't really reject it too much. I mean, there are a couple atheists in my family, and that hasn't gone over too smoothly <laughs> at family gatherings and everything. But um, yeah, a lot of them are just very confused about who God is, and they don't really care to actually look further into the Bible or further into mm-hmm. commenters or great scholars and just seeing what they say. Yeah. They just at one point in their life decided who God was and that they were a so-called Christian because they believed in the God that they created. Yeah, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who acknowledge him or Mm -hmm. say, yeah, I believe in God, but they just believe that he is. Yeah. He is. They they like like Mm -hmm. the savior aspect of no hell, you know, Mm -hmm. forgiveness, but they don't want the sovereign part of God, but he's ruler of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's like J.D.'s talked about. If you can't have him be savior and not lord and he has to be lord and savior mm-hmm. not a buffet jesus yeah. <laughs> not a buffet jesus that's, yeah that's from jd can, can, can i stole we, that one can we make can can we make t-shirts that say my god is not a buffet god <laughs> not a buffet line <laughs> all right so oh, i think kins are you getting um, started today so you do you want to mention honor mother and father okay so yeah. and that's and that's actually i completely actually forgot about that in eggs or um yeah, in Exodus 20, where um, we learn the Ten Commandments the first time, um, in verse 12, it's the fifth commandment. And it says, "Honor your father, your, honor your father, honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you." So, I mean, that's just one of those things. I mean, it can be hard. I mean, in in the in these times, like with the way your your family might not believe. And it can be just, like I said, demoralizing. But if if your parents aren't believers, you still have to honor them. I mean, you have to treat everyone right. So, I mean, you can't be disrespectful to them. So I think that's just kind of a place to start and just remember that at the end of the day, always going back to that yeah. honor your mother and father. Um, that's yeah, so. For sure. Um, in, in the New Testament is a young man named Timothy. Mm-hmm. So Timothy was kind of Paul's apprentice and became a pastor, an elder, uh, ruling in, in church, and was very gifted. But Timothy, we learn in Acts 16, verses 1 through 3, I'm not going to read it, but we learn that his father was a Greek, and it says his mother was a believing Jew. So she, so she believed in 
Jesus believed in the true God. Um, also, his grandmother um, believed in the true God and was a Christian. But his father probably worshipped pagan gods. Mm-hmm. He was probably at the temple of um, different goddesses and gods worshipping and paying taxes to them and paying money to them. Um, but Timothy came out of that. I mean, he heard the truth from uh, Lois and Eunice, and he trusted in Christ through that. So just because one parent or two parents are unbelievers doesn't mean that you can't have a huge, huge impact. Um, Timothy completely changed so many churches. Paul said, I don't have anyone like Timothy because he cares so much for the churches. Like He cares for those who are lost, and he cares for those who are found. Um, another uh, similar example would be uh, Samuel. Mm-hmm. So Samuel had a mom who mm-hmm. believed Hannah. She prayed for him. She committed him to the Lord. Um, she would go to the priest and just like pray to God for her son. And Samuel becomes this the first prophet, really. Mm-hmm. And, and he's speaking so much mm-hmm. truth. And, and the priest of that time was named Eli. And you think, you know... In this situation, it's the opposite. Eli's like a priest, a priest of God. His kids will be amazing, great kids. Well, his two sons are like the most wicked. They disrespect the altar. They uh, spend God's money on things that God didn't want. And they're just terrible, wicked people, and they're not saved. Um, So family in the faith or family out of the faith really don't determine if a kid is saved or the extent of it. God is the one who is truly the father. And if God is your father, you're his child. He can do extraordinary things through you. So just always remember that. And Yeah, yeah. so uh, we also see the story of Josiah. I think we might have talked about this last week. Can't remember what's in pre-podcast discussions and what's not. <laughs> but um, we see that Josiah takes over, you know, he, he gives his life to the Lord. He devotes his kingdom to the Lord. But you look back at his father and his grandfather, and they were wicked people. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to be there to allow the idols to be built mm-hmm. and all of the, uh, the the deceitful religions to come in for Josiah to destroy with God's power. Mm-hmm. And they were to do it. And, and Josiah really just came out of that at the age of 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there, and like on his own, I don't know if he had. He probably had some kind of a spiritual advisor. Yeah. That sounds like a kingly yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. so, you know, he came out of that, but he, you can't fall into this like generational pattern. If you, if your family is atheistic or they're just deistic, de, yeah, like a deist, like they just believe, but you know, there There's could a be God, God out there doing but he's something. separate. Yeah, he's separate from us. You can't fall into that if you're a Christian because it would, it, it would really be like mm-hmm. if you're a new Christian and you're like, hey, mom, hey, dad, come on, let's go to church, you know, mm-hmm. or you're inviting your family, however, you know, whoever you're inviting, and they're like, ah, you know, there's a God out there. Mm-hmm. I'll find him in nature or whatever. Yeah. It's like you can't just fall. You can't be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that too, you know. Yeah. I'm, well. I'm a good Christian. And Kelsey kind of mentioned that earlier. I mean, that's kind of the, the theme throughout the, like, first and second kings. I mean, you'd have a long, like, line of just bad or 
not right with God. I guess that'd probably be the right way to word that. Uh, rulers, and then one would come along, kind of make some headway in it, and then they would just go right back down. And I think it's a perfect example to kind of realize, like, some people's situation, I mean, you can be the one that snaps that off in your family and turns and rewrites the, the ship and gets it going in, back in the right direction, like Kinzer just mentioned. Finding, because you need to find those mentors, like, as males like being leaders of the church you need to find your paul so that he can teach you the correct thing and once you figure that out go back and become paul and find your timothy and bring up the next generation so that would be some advice there kind of thinking about that like when you find the correct path stay on it and then show other people go back and get more bring people back to the correct path yeah and then you have job in the old testament as well where God is testing him. He's allowing Satan to torture him in many different ways, but testing his faith. Um, and he loses his children, even loses everything pretty much. Mm-hmm. But And then Job 2, 9 says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Hmm. So this is someone obviously very close to him. His wife, his immediate family, blatantly telling him to curse God. Mm-hmm. And this is the Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, you read about what you're supposed to have, and it's... Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And if you don't have that around you, it's hard to push through. But it's noted in here, like, Job cries out to God several times through all of this happening. And he's wondering why, which we have a lot of questions why. But I think it's really important that even though if God's testing you and you have people around you who are not helping you, yourself, your family, to look to God every time and talk to him and pray to him as God as Job is doing here. Yeah. I mean, his family had to be like pretty like like knowledgeable about God too because Joseph, or Job was such or was so close to God you know that's why he gets tempted in the first place but like his wife you know that's Job's like best friend who has been studying with him mm-hmm. and when she turns around and curses God I can only imagine what Job felt at that point yeah. yeah and then you see I mean God eventually gave him a new wife who was very faithful and provided that for him and they had 10 more kids and mm-hmm. Job lost a lot, but yeah. God blesses us more mm-hmm. through our trials mm-hmm. when we strengthen through him. And then going back to in the very first book of the Bible, I mean, and I know the theme so far has been like parents and significant others, but I mean, the story of Joseph and Disney, I think it's Disney, they make a great movie, The King of Dreams, and I, I know it's kind of childish, but it's a good way to see this, these like 10 chapters, and it's, but um, I mean, him and his 11 brothers... I mean, he's the youngest one. He has all these prophecies, these dreams, and they come true. And his father, Jacob, he's basically the pride of the family. Well, he has 11 brothers, and they kind of get mad about that. And, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks when you're not the youngest. I was the youngest, so I kind of maybe got (laughs) spoiled a little bit. But, I mean, so they end up selling him, and they, like, selling him to... um, one of Pharaoh's guards, I believe it is, and um, he basically starts working for him. He gets uh, basically thrown in prison because Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, says that he was trying to sleep with her, and then he basically he becomes the right hand man basically to the Pharaoh because these dreams he tells him about like the famine that's coming, and then come full circle, his family comes back. And they need him in this time of this famine, and he still forgives them. And that's I think that's a great example. I mean, 
it can be hard because you've been mistreated by people, but I think it you still have to forgive them. So I think that would be a good book or good like chapters to read from like jo- or Genesis 37 to 47, mm-hmm. just the story of Joseph and everything he goes through. I mean, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine like trying to reconcile anything with yeah. my family after they had mm-hmm. sold me for silver yeah. into slavery. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to note that it was hard. Like Joseph didn't want to at first. Yeah. He was angry with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. They came back and mm-hmm. didn't want to help them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. remembering his father yeah. and his family. Yeah, he's like weeping a lot he's like weeping and angry he's like weeping and like happiness like it's just a very emotional thing like like we are bonded with our family in a unique way i mean the family unit i mean why is it so unique i mean because jesus is god's son father's son is bound up even in god and if we're image bearers of god like family bonds are are deep and strong And God uses them very powerfully either to bring people into faith mm-hmm. or to strengthen those who have faith. Um, yeah. Yeah, and a little bit further down in X, or up in Exodus, I don't know. There's no, there's no height chart here. But, uh, anyway, in Exodus 2, we see Moses. And, you know, everybody knows, well, everybody should know the story of Moses. You know, his mom had him when... when uh, the Hebrew people weren't allowed to have children, so his sister threw him into the river, and then Pharaoh's daughter picks him up and raises him. And he grew up in the Pharaoh's probably palace, something mm-hmm. like along the lines of that. And he's exposed to all these Egyptian gods, mm-hmm. and you know, growing up in the religion as a child, you know, you probably just follow whatever your family mm-hmm. believes. Um, but later when he flees from Egypt, mm-hmm. he meets up with his uncle, or father-in-law, mm-hmm. father-in-law, who's a shepherd, and his father-in-law really disciples him, mm-hmm. you know, and he probably, he probably didn't know him that well, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. father-in-law, he's not even his biological father, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you've just been working for, uh, I would say, say he's not an Egyptian man, yeah. uh, his father-in-law, so mm-hmm. you've been working for, or under and like overseeing slavery of your people yeah. and this young kid comes to you and he's like hey it's like stab the guard <laughs> I need to be out of here yes yeah and then God you know, calls him into ministry to free his people and then yeah. he goes into ministry with Aaron his brother mm-hmm. so like it's really cool when you get to do like ministry together with your family mm-hmm. um, I've a few times done some ministry with, with my younger brother just talking with people and uh, in Myrtle Beach, doing mm-hmm. some evangelism with them, and you know your family pretty well, mm-hmm. and it, it's pretty cool to go two by two sometimes out with with family. You know, mm-hmm. try try something like that and, if you're. And Moses ideas. needed his brother too because mm-hmm. yeah. like he was scared. <laughs> yes. He did not want yes. to listen to God. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron had to be the mouthpiece lots yeah. of times mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so. Moving to David, moving on a little bit further into the Old Testament, uh, David obviously has a slew of familial problem, family problems, and uh, he, you know, committed adultery, then had a baby that died, and like it was tragic, and he suffered a lot. Um, but if you remember the story of Absalom, so Absalom was one of David's sons, and Absalom mm-hmm. tried to kill his father. Mm-hmm. So he was rebelling against him and one kingdom for himself, and 
lots of things going on, but Absalom is pursuing after David, and he uh, gets his hair caught in some trees while he's riding a mule, and then he they get, he gets caught and they he's killed. Uh, but David's heart is like ripped open for this son mm-hmm. that like hated his father mm-hmm. and probably was not a believer. Uh, this mm-hmm. is in Second Samuel uh, eighteen eighteen. Um, it says, Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself the pillar that is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. So David is, you know, he's saying, I have no son. Now it's really sad. And then in a few verses later in 19.4, it says, The king covered his face and the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. He's just repeating it. He's just completely torn up Mm -hmm. over this son who didn't know the lord probably and who um was trying to kill his father like there's some met so like if you think you have a messed up family like that's a messed up family Mm -hmm. but yet david Mm -hmm. is a man after god's own heart Mm -hmm. and it's okay to feel those like conflicted deep confused feelings for a family member who doesn't know God. Well, and I feel like you could almost even make a parallel between that story of David and Absalom to, to, yeah, to God and like some like non-believers relationship with him. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it probably tears him apart when people say certain things about him or defame him or just say negative things i'm i'm sure that's probably hard on him i mean so i mean it's a perfect example um to break back to your relationship to god mm-hmm. for sure yeah so in uh first peter three this is a rough transition <laughs> but uh uh it says wives in the same way submit to your submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, so uh, it doesn't just have to be a wife to a husband. It can be you know a brother to a sister or a husband to a wife or you know to anybody in your family. That when you get saved, you need to act upright and be upright in God, mm-hmm. so that they will see you know like whoa those people they've made a change you know they used to make fun of me. They used to do this, they used to do that, and they're not even doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And all I did was they started going to church, mm-hmm. and they'll look more into it. Like, oh, what if I go to church? You know? mm-hmm. And your parents have a similar yeah, story. To that, yeah, yeah. Right? My mom, mm-hmm. uh, they were both unbelievers when they got married and were mm-hmm. you know dating and everything. But um, my neighbor came over to my mom. She's like, "Hey, you should go to our church." So mm-hmm. my mom went for probably a couple months to a year. And got saved. And my dad, you know, he's introverted. So, <laughs> first of all, he didn't want to be at the big gathering. But he um, he just didn't want... I don't remember too much of it. You know, I'm still around five or six at this time. So, um, But he didn't, he didn't really want to have too much to do with it. He just wanted to stay home, you know, live his life. He didn't want to have the law of, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible to live by. But he, my mom, um, she struggled with alcoholism before she was saved. And he really wanted her to stop because he knew it was really unhealthy. You know, he just had that in his own morals. And so once he saw that in her and he, she starts, she stopped smoking, she stopped cussing, she stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, she's, she's being 
like a really good person, you know. What has changed? And he looks back and he's like, oh, she started going to church. Mm-hmm. You know, she keeps asking me to go to church. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I go, you know, yeah. I can be the change too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. neither sides of our families are really um, Christian. Like they don't, mm-hmm. they're not based in church at all. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, um, my mom's side, <laughs> yeah, we're heathens, mm-hmm. <laughs> like fortune telling and everything. It's mm-hmm. like demonic, mm-hmm. a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a lot of like uh, feeling based in our mm-hmm. families, mm-hmm. Uh, especially on my mom's side. They're like, yeah, well, we feel like we're close to God, and then it's like, yeah, well, you, you have tarot cards <laughs> up there, and you're just calling on demons to tell the future, and it's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So they like spirituality, yeah. but they don't like God. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, yeah. So like you're parents are a perfect example of first peter mm-hmm. 3 1 through 2 what you just read like that beauty of example people see the change and then they come forward to christ but that doesn't always happen mm-hmm. it, it doesn't um this is a verse from jesus in matthew 7 and it's kind of when you first hear it it's kind of like it doesn't sound like the loving nice jesus i know but Jesus is also um, truthful, and he gives us good wisdom. So here's what he says in Matthew 7, 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So what he is referring to here is someone who you have spoken to about Jesus many times Mm -hmm. and what they do with that pearl what they do with that beautiful precious message of the gospel is take that pearl and put it in the dirt and stomp on it say it's crazy you're Mm -hmm. stupid i hate god i hate you this is madness blah blah blah. and then Mm -hmm. they every time you talk to them they're just so hateful and spiteful Mm -hmm. and and jesus says he says don't just keep going to them Sometimes you got to dust your feet off and go to the next place. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to like you never talk to them again. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you never talk to them about the gospel. It means you don't spend the bulk of your mm-hmm. prayer time or like your verbal ministry mm-hmm. with these people who are just running Jesus through the mud. Mm-hmm. Um because really they're heaping more sin upon themselves. But there is a line there. So be aware that wisdom teaches us to go to those who are being saved. Go to, go to where God is moving. Go to where there is fruit. Um, but always remember, people are not beyond saving. And prayer is a very good way to, to move in that situation. If someone in your family that is you know, just running Jesus through the mud, pray for them. Pray that God would soften their heart. Well, and uh, before I get into my next like story, um, kind of like we were talking about earlier with the story of Job, and I know it's a little bit a different. Um, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word here, but like example, like his friends, like you were talking about heaping more sin. Like Job says that about his friends because they're saying, "Well, you just have some. You must have some unconfessed sin," and like just the way they're talking to him. So that's just another example of it, but. One of, um, we actually, I remember this now from our trip to Milwaukee because we did our 
uh, devotional and our study over the book of James. And in 5.16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So those people like that might, like Kinzer said, I mean, that might run Jesus' name, like, you still need to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. Because if you go, like, two more verses further into James 5, it says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring back that person, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from their er- the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you still need to... We, it's still our duty or our command, I should mm-hmm. say, to still try to save and love those on those people that even that might persecute us i mean like kinzer said don't give all your time and effort mm-hmm. to them i know that sounds wrong but i mean if you're not i mean only god's going to be able to be the one in the end that truly wins them over mm-hmm. like you're just planting the seed so you can't dedicate all your time to that but you can help in that process so still be praying for them just talking to them let them know that you're care cared for i mean Troy, uh, one of the guys we've talked about on here, and um, he, there's a guy at the gym. Like he said, he prays for him all the time. And he talks to him, and and he's gotten to share the gospel with him more just because he's constantly praying for him. He's just asking him how he's doing, and he's just taking an interest in him. And it's little things like that that, like you're just, hey, how's it going? Like asking about him, it can break that hard ground to get there and to start inserting and filling it with the gospel. So mm-hmm. that could be one good way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, and then Hebrews 10.39, it says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So it's explaining that although you might not have the blood family heritage or human heritage that is in the faith, we have a biblical and godly heritage mm-hmm through these prophets and everybody God has aligned us with in the faith and Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about it says by faith this prophet say like Abraham, Jacob, all those before us we have that heritage too and we can read in the Bible and look back at that and use that as a platform if we don't have that human family yeah. okay. like that's that's our ultimate family like you when you get saved you transfer families like you're still obviously in your physical family but you now have a new allegiance mm-hmm. i mean the the language that the bible uses is brothers and sisters mm-hmm. we are brothers and sisters in christ god is our father we this is the new family like in youth ministry you have a lot of teens kids who come to church that don't have parents in the church mm-hmm. so they're separated from their family and then they get saved but their mom and dad are not in the church. They're like, oh, like, what do I do? Like, mom is home smoking weed, and dad doesn't care anything about God. Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, commit and be as in much time as you can in the church, mm-hmm. in the fam- in the in your true family, because that's the family you're going to be with forever. Yeah, and it's our responsibility as sound Christians to be that family. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's why you can't have just SMOs, Sunday morning only. You come and sit and hear a sermon and then walk out. It's, it is a family, the church as a family. Like that was the early church mantra. Blood is thicker than, like blood, 
Mm-hmm. We have blood ties to each other because we're mm-hmm. blood-bought relatives mm-hmm. by Jesus. We are united with him, mm-hmm. one family, united in Christ. Yeah. A lot of times we see like newly saved people or people mm-hmm. that aren't Christians yet that come to our church, uh, mm-hmm. uh, youths mainly, and you're like, man, they're a rough person. I don't even want to be around them. Yeah. But once they get saved, once you start... Telling them, you know, showing them that the Bible is the truth, and here is something you follow word by word, mm-hmm. you see a big change. Yeah, um, I've noticed a big change just with Alex and I. We've been more involved. Mm-hmm. Kids are got us more involved. Youth group, um, mm-hmm. just being there more than Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's made a huge difference in both of our mm-hmm. strengthening our faith. Yeah. No, I mean it's just it's it's been and such a great experience just to be around the kids and just get to learn more i mean it's kind of funny kelsey and i made this kelsey and i made this comment like i know it's weird to be 26 and 23 in a youth group but i mean i learn more there i mean i'm i'm just like we were talking about how long we'd been saved for earlier and kelsey has been four years and i've been eight and i we're like spiritually immature sometimes so it's a lot of things we're just learning and so I mean, we've devoted ourselves to that, and I think it probably rubs some of my family the wrong way that we're not there for their stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, I don't want to be around a bunch of people who are getting drunk and doing all these things and just swearing. And I'd rather be with my brothers and sisters in Christ and learning more about the gospel, I mean, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you want to read those verses? Oh, yeah. So I got another passage here in Luke 21. Um, It says, You will be betrayed even by your parents, brothers and sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. And so I... I remember reading that because we're reading a book right now. Yes, you guys are going to get to hear us do another book review. Uh, It's John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. But I remember reading through it and I saw that. And I had never seen that verse before, those verses. And it's just, it's crazy because, I mean, as a child, you would never think your mother, your father, your family would be the ones to turn against you. And you see these news stories and honestly they're the ones that seem to be the ones that turn against people first and so i mean but like listening to what jesus says there i mean it's it's so important just to hear what he has to say about it and you have to understand like i mean even he experienced it i mean because we talk about like james as we were just reading earlier i mean I don't think like Jesus' family was not necessarily the nicest to him when he was growing up, really. Mm-hmm. And in one reassuring verse, like thinking about that, I it just popped into my head is Psalm twenty three four, which says, "Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me." And so you can use that through a lot of things in life, mm-hmm. in in any difficult time, in any dark time. But I mean, even if you're a minor living at home or just like you're around your family a lot or in in any kind of situation where you're almost belittled and ridiculed for your religion and your beliefs i mean if you feel like you have nobody you you're filled with the holy spirit god is with you always Mm -hmm. so through everything i mean he is with you in your darkest times in the best times and he's going to help you through it all so just definitely remember that yeah, and I've uh, 
taken some classes with people who came out of Islam. Mm-hmm. So some people that lived in the Middle East, and I took a class called Islamic Texts, and just kind of learning about the insanity of what it means to convert, mm-hmm. and like the families, oh my goodness, like the dynamics mm-hmm. of getting saved, coming to Christ out of Islam is terrifying. Like they completely oust you, they kick you out of the house at like 13. Like if you're 13, you get saved, they will put you out on your own. Um, I had a friend that was in seminary at the Southern, and like when he was 18, like he just no family contacts him at all. They they like hate him, and they want like some of his family wishes he was dead because he follows Christ. Um, but literally, they are persecuting him, and like he's not welcome back. And what Jesus said is true. Probably in America, you're probably not experiencing. Mm-hmm quite the same level as they do in Saudi Arabia. Um, my, my professor, Dr. Ibrahim, he was in Saudi Arabia, and he had books. He sells books, and he's a Christian, obviously, and he has some Bibles there, not just Bibles. And this man went up to him, and he said, what are, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm just selling books. He said, no, those you're selling Bibles. He said, there are some Bibles, but I'm selling books. He said, no, you're evangelizing. You must die. Those were his words. So, like, Dr. Ibrahim was kind of winsome in his words, and he didn't get killed right there, but the guy, like, was spitting on him. Like, just, and throwing his name everywhere, and, like, and then he went and got, like, the head iman to come talk to him, and, like, it can be really radical to come out of some religions. Um, But what Jesus said there, those words are, are very true. Yeah, what I noticed is that he says not a hair on your head will perish, although he says they will put you to death because we have everlasting life in him. So keeping your eye on that and not focusing on worldly things that are coming at you. Yeah. Well, and just lost the verse where Paul is talking. I want to say it's in Romans, but I might be wrong. Um, but where he says to live is Christ, to die is gain. And, I mean, I, th- I don't know if that really fits in with what we're talking about today, but, I mean, like, your life, even if you're feeling persecuted the whole time, I mean, you're still, as long as you're alive, you're supposed to be sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you die for the cause of Christ to bring more people to it, mm-hmm. it's only going to glorify Him more. And that's mm-hmm. only, that's what, so that's what that's meaning, is to die is gain. You're, it's only going, I mean, kind of the easiest way to think about it, it's going to gain more for Christ in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's Stephen in Acts 7, mm-hmm. whenever he, he has this big, long sermon before the Sanhedrin. He's mm-hmm. preaching all about Jesus and how Jesus fulfills all the Old Testament. And then after he gets him preaching, they're like ready to stone him. Like mm-hmm. they just hate him. They're, mm-hmm. like, they're, they got stones ready. Mm-hmm. And Stephen is like so in the spirit. Like he, he sees Christ, like the heavens open. He sees Jesus ascended on the throne. Mm-hmm. He's standing at the right hand of God. He's usually seated. I don't know. Troy likes to say that, you know, Jesus is standing for Stephen because he had such great faith. But he's standing at the right hand. His eyes are fixed on Jesus through all the persecution, like you guys were both saying there. Like, that's what he's focused on, and he can endure all of it. And he's, it doesn't even say that the stones killed him. It says, like, he he was being stoned, and then he, like, and then he went to sleep. Like, he died. Like, it wasn't necessarily even the stones. Like, God was the one who relinquished his life. Um, 
but having that focus on Christ through the pain, through the difficulties with family persecution is so crucial. And kind of in closing today, I was actually on my phone after the gym before we came over here, and I happened to see this Bible verse, and it fits, or these verses, and it fits so perfectly. And it like the title in the Bible literally says, love your enemies. And I know you wouldn't necessarily call your family your enemies, but if they don't believe in God and they are against God, they're his enemy. And then therefore, if you believe in God, they are your enemy too. But what he says, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 40 going to 48, or 43 going to 48, it says, you have heard that you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, are, not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only... Your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do, do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so, I mean, like, the biggest thing is just that takeaway from, like, 44, the, or not 44, um, yeah, it is in 44, my bad, where he says, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's that's so just so much profound wisdom right there. I mean, it would be so hard to love those who hate you. I mean, and only wish ill upon you. And then the people who want bad things to hap like happen for you, you might say like like worldly people would say, how could you pray for someone that that wants negative mm -hmm. things? But I mean, it's who we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to pray for ill will for anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else has anything they really want to add to. Those I mean, verses, it's basically demonic. Yeah, think about it, like hexing somebody. Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't do that ever. Yeah, I've tried to make that very clear to one of my family members who um, is not a believer that I still love them, and it's not that I hate yes. them. That's not mm -hmm. how it is, mm -hmm. and that I will always love them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's where the Christian faith is is different um, because many people kind of their faith in America is like whatever political stance they have yeah. and they're like trying to convince their family that this is the right political stance and if you disagree with them there's much animosity that comes but Christians are loving and steadfast through it all um, yeah one last thing I forgot to mention so we're talking about unbelieving family mm. members for those who have children um, or are going to have children in the future um, be aware that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean your child is going to be a Christian. Um, often they do become Christian. You know, you raise them up and teach them the word, and you put the fire in the or you put the wood in the fireplace of their heart, and pray that God sparks it one day. Um, but ultimately, God is the one who's going to spark that fire. Um, in the 17th century, there was a family with the last name Barebones. Okay, Barebone. Not bare bones, bare bones. And this family was huge, and they named their kids like crazy names. So that one of their kids' names was Fear God, Barebone. Okay? And this was another kid's name. You ready? 
Christ came into the world to save sinners bare bones. No way. <laughs> so every time they asked his name, he had to share the gospel, which I think is kind of cool. That is it's a little, little, little extreme. That's awesome. <laughs> Could have abbreviated. Yeah. Um, like Ellison's name um, means to have mercy in Greek. Now, people don't know that, but if someone ever asks, oh, where'd you get that name? You know, she can talk about that. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so, so thinking about, obviously, you have unbelieving family members, but instilling in young children is so huge. Um, most people, if they do come to Christ, they get saved at a young age. Um, that's just kind of how God works. Um, so if you have grandkids, if you have kids in your family, nieces pour and nieces and nephews, pour into them. Like just they might be annoyed but they are little sponges and they need to soak in God's word we need to equip the next generation so they don't um, turn out to be little pagans who or little Pharisees pagans or you know Pharisees think they're self-righteous and they can do everything themselves so that's just one last encouragement so that we hopefully have less unbelieving family members anything either one of you guys would like to add well then I will close this in prayer dear heavenly father thank you for this day thank you for this outlet with this podcast that we can we can share your stories from the bible and help those who might have family members who just who don't want to believe and might ridicule them or bash their beliefs father thank you just for your words that help us get through the day and and thank you for just chapters and verses like psalm 23 4 to let us know that no matter where we are in the world that you are with us through it all we might feel like we're alone father but but we know that that you're there and i would just ask today that and and throughout the the rest of the days how many ever you give each person that you you would let us or remind us that you are with us through it all and to remind us to love our enemies and and stand up in front of those people who might persecute us for our beliefs but to continue to cling to the name of christ and and just be there and just have have your hand on our shoulders and just just give us that faith and just to be strong and i ask for all of this in jesus name amen, amen.